Yeah, wow. This is amazing to me, really amazing, the uh, orchestration of the Holy Spirit in Ty's testimony and what's been shared prophetically. So we're going to talk about prayer, which prayer, you know, as a pastor, sometimes it's like, how do you talk about prayer? <laughs> it's, let's go pray. Okay, end of sermon. Amen. Uh, you know, it's just, but, but here's, here's the question. What, what kind of people are fruitful and who can really bring change? It's those who pray. Sojourn Campus Church, in our DNA, our spiritual DNA, is called to pray, to develop leaders, and to send. And that's just, you know, it doesn't matter who's here, who's pastor. I mean, it just, it's like that's just what we're made to do. And it's very clear in the DNA of the church. Uh, so my formation in prayer involves one negative and three positives, or two, two or three positives. Uh, as a young believer, I remember I became a Christian down in Texas in the Air Force and, uh, you know, Things were great. It was a relatively simple school, medical electronics, uh, a lot of fun, and then I come back to you. And uh, but by I had been Christian about a year, and I've got you know like I'm starting to add people to my prayer list. Now I don't know where you're at, but I have at least I had 27 first cousins alone, right? So that prayer list and all those friends, you know what I'm saying? Pretty soon it's like I'm just blah, 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 I'm naming names, you know what I mean? And I'm like this is uh, this is crazy. So that was not a positive experience, right? So I'm like I need help. Right, positive experience. Uh, a couple, three, four years into my long, long undergraduate education, um, I ran into this group, which was a student group at the time, and we had a Friday night prayer meeting that was longer than church. Uh, people praying with all their heart, prophetic direction, and learning. And kept, I just watched for like three months. I'd never seen anything like this, you know. Wow, look at that person. They stand up, they're praying like crazy, and then, you know, and I'm just learning, taking notes mentally for about three months. But watching people who have no pretense and are just need God and they want God and they want other people to have God, and just praying with all of their heart and some prophetic direction, things like that. It was amazing, right? And then along with that, at the same time, I lived with, it was particularly one particular guy who lived prayer, uh, got to watch a graduate student in his final year of his PhD work in aeronautical engineering spend probably two to three hours a day in prayer, right? That's while doing a PhD. Hello? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You following me? This is like, this guy lived it, right? It's like, wow. Okay. Uh, and then my own experience is more recently in God simply answering prayer. So as we walk with Jesus, we're in Luke, right? As we walk with Jesus on the road to Jerusalem, right? We're kind of doing that metaphorically as our, on the way to our Jerusalem in heaven. We're walking with Jesus. The issue of prayer is raised in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and it happens this way. It says in verse 1, it came about in the time when he was in a certain place praying, when he stopped, a certain one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. So let's pray, and we'll dive in. Lord, I thank you for everyone here this morning, everyone on live stream. So, Father, if we want to get one thing clear in our souls, it's our privilege and calling to know you, first of all, in prayer, and then to release the knowledge of your kingdom through prayer. So as we tackle this topic this morning, I pray truly, we probably know it all intellectually, but inspire our spirits, work in our souls, make us different as a result of this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's interesting, first of all, they saw him praying. I wonder who sees me pray. They're so impacted 
They know that Rabbi John, the Baptist, taught his disciples. So they want to know how Jesus, you know, how he approaches it. So we're going to look at it here. So they said, they said to him, hey, Jesus, teach us to pray. So we'll ask, what are the lessons on prayer? What are Jesus' lessons on prayer, right? By the way, when I was uh, earlier in campus ministry, we had a really thick training manual. The longer I've been in ministry, you know what I concluded? This is the training manual. And specifically, the Gospels. And specifically, the Gospels where Jesus is training his disciples. So let's learn what Jesus will teach us about prayer. So the first lesson on prayer is a pattern. You know it. I was raised in a St. Matthew's Catholic Church in St. Paul, Minnesota, right by Boca Chica. Great tacos, okay? Right down there. All right, and uh, I was taught at a very young age this prayer. You maybe were taught it in another context, but here it is. Verse 2, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, cause your name to be reverenced. Cause your kingdom to come. And give us our necessary bread every day. And forgive us our sins because we also forgive those with any debt against us. And cause us not to succumb to temptation. Amen. So you, you understand that it's not a rote prayer. When I was a little kid, I thought it was a rote prayer. So, you know, our Father, heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? We had all that. No, no, it's not a rote, but it is a pattern. So I want to encourage you to adopt this as a pattern of prayer in your life. So let's look at it. Cause your name, hallowed be your name, like your translation might say. I'm trying to bring out a little bit of the Greek here. Cause your name to be reverenced. Right? This is a prayer related to worship, but not just your personal worship. You are praying for maybe your family. You're praying for yourself. You're praying for your city, your, your workplace, your school. Your world. You're praying for the spiritual atmosphere. Right? You're saying, cause, help people see you, Lord. Cause your name to be reverenced, to see who you are, and to respond to you as God. So you're praying for the spiritual atmosphere that you live in. Now, let's just look real quickly to get an idea, another nuance of this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses uh, 3, 4, and 5, Paul gives a, uh, a little nuance on this. So look at verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 10. He says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Put that highlight that church not the weapons of the world on the contrary they have divine power to demolish strongholds and he says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take every captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ so what's he talking about attitudes worldviews beliefs that are wrong now, Paul, I think, is talking about both discussion and debate intellectually, right? Talking to people as well as prayer, right? Both are dimensions here. And so when you're saying, hallowed be thy name, you are praying for a breakthrough in the culture 
to recognize the glory and, and majesty of God. This is what happens in revivals, right? In awakenings, you know, people walk along, and if you look at American culture, for example, the 1700s, there were a lot of deists, intellectuals. Yeah, there's a God out there, a clockmaker, and they were just going along doing their thing, having an American Revolution, right? Okay? But then there's people praying in these times, and then suddenly, Many, many people start to be concerned about their soul and they become aware of their need for God, right? That's the hallowed be thy name. You're not just praying a privatized prayer. Oh, Lord, I hope that I have a right reverence for you. Pray that for sure. But as you pray that out over yourself and your family, Lord, may your name be hallowed, not just in my nice little group. May your name be recognized. You're praying the majesty of God to be recognized in the world. Hallowed be your name. Right? So you're praying for worldview changes. Every ism, every belief system that opposes pure worship. It could be on the political right or the political left. It could be an ideology. It could be all kinds of things. It could be a false religion. Every ism that resists or opposes pure worship. We're praying, Lord, cause your name to be reverenced. Even as we began this semester thinking about George Floyd, what's the answer to oppression? What's the answer to racism? It begins with individuals who are humbled before a holy God and no longer have a pride and an arrogance and a judgment for others. All of these things stem from long worship. The cure then to injustice and exploitation is the humbling of every bit of human pride before the majesty of God. I'll tell you, this is my, there's a mental exercise I go through. I walk through my day, or maybe I'm thinking in the morning, I'm praying. I try to pray in the morning just because it gets my attitude set right. And I think, what if God really showed up right now? I mean, you know, we've been worshiping and we meant it and we're sincere. But like, what if really God showed up? What would you do? <laughs> right? On your face. And suddenly every thought you'd had that you were justifying that wasn't right, it's exposed. Every pride, a bit of pride toward another person is exposed. All the deception is exposed. Hallowed be thy name. Oh man, hallowed be thy name. And so we pray this as a spiritual exercise because we need it. Hallowed be thy name. And sometimes I come in and so, you know, I will actually, myself, I encourage you to do this just to like, Lord, I need to think about you for a minute. I need to really get, and maybe it helps to sing a little bit or, or you know, I might pick up my guitar or, you know, um, but, but whatever it is, so to really focus on who God is, hallowed be thy name. And then may your kingdom come. What you're praying for, you're praying for God's rule, submission and surrender to God to advance in your heart in the hearts of those you love, and in the hearts of the wider society and world. You're saying, Lord, may your, your kingdom rule, the way, your way, your actual being by your spirit, would you spread that rule from me to my, in my case, my kids, and I pray through my wife and children every day, I pray for the presence of God over you, May your kingdom come. And, you know, there's lots of ways to look at the kingdom rule of God. But one simple one, Paul gives us the kingdom of God's not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy 
in the Holy Spirit. So I, I might pray some mornings, you know, Lord, would you just bring the peace of the rule of the kingdom in Ron's heart and just increase his peace this morning, right? Or, or lift up, you know, different ones will come to mind, right? And you pray just as the Spirit leads, lifting up the righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Spirit in people's hearts, the kingdom of God coming. And then he says, uh, give us our necessary bread. You know, we were facing, a, a, we, have, we do laundry about five times a day, four or five times a day, right? Loads of laundry a day with 10 kids. And, um, and uh, suddenly it wasn't working anymore. And I, so I go to clean out the dryer and, you know, at first I'm cleaning out the upper part. I'm like, oh, it looks okay, you know. I wonder if anything has collected on the bottom where it goes out the basement, you know what I mean? Ty, you're going to love this, right? I mean, it was like, it was like this long and this thick, like of the remnants of socks and sheets, right? Just, uh, oh, no wonder we burned out the thing, right? So you call them up, oh, you know, only 450 bucks to replace the, oh, you know, okay. And we were going, oh, okay, I guess we have to do it, you know? And then what happens? A friend call, uh, calls up, hey, we got, a, we got a dryer here. Do you need one? Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, the guy, the husband is younger than me, but he's like early retirement, one of these engineers. He's like, I'll bring it over tomorrow. Like, cool. Yeah, thank you, Lord, for dryers. Yes, right? Every need, daily needs, right? God's practical. And then, you know, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. What's going on there? What he's saying is that it's what Ty was talking about. The spiritual, hey, if, unless you're like a stoic, you get hurt. Anybody been hurt here this week? Yeah, right, come on, right? And so this is real, right? This is not just a formal prayer. He's saying, okay, forgive people. And, then, and God will forgive you, right? So forgive us our sins. So, you know, he's saying, be real. Let God know. He knows it. Let him know what's, you know, what's between you and him. Get rid of it on a daily basis. Just that's part of the Christian life, just cleansing. Oh, yeah, that attitude. Well, I was not very grateful there. Just get it out of the way and then forgive the people that have hurt you. He's, isn't Jesus practical? It's like it happens, right? Unless you're some kind of hardened heart guy, you're going to get hurt. Okay. All the macho guys are going, oh, you know. But yeah, in your heart, you know it, right? Some of the toughest guys on the outside are the most tender on the inside, right? Okay, I get it. Not like trust him again, but forgive him, right? Some people you can't trust, but forgive him. And then he gets really intimate. Lead us not into temptations. Daryl Bach translates this. Cause us not to succumb to temptation. I love this prayer. This is where transformation occurs. When you get really honest with yourself and God. Talk to God about where you've given in. And ask yourself before the Lord, why did I give in? What was I seeking? What needs to change? This is a vulnerable, powerful, intimate prayer. You notice that the, the prayer kind of starts up in general out there. Sort of. I mean, you're praying for the kingdom for yourself too, right? But it gets down to like your relationships and your temptations, and it moves to intimacy. What's interesting is Jesus, what does the guy say, the disciple say to Jesus, teach us to pray. 
wow, do we pray this prayer in community? Do I actually find people I can trust and pray about my temptations with them? Yeah. Yeah, trustworthy people for sure, not, you know, but yeah. And, and there's, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, there's the fellowship of the saints and there's the fellowship of the sinners. The fellowship of the saints is like this. How you doing, Keith? Good. Good. Amen. See you, brother. See you next week. That's the fellowship of the saints, right? The fellowship of the sinners is, how you doing, Keith? Let's pray, Craig. Let's talk. That's the, that's the, the, the honesty. The walls come down, right? Not with everybody, not with 10 people, right? But with trusted friends. Letting others in, becoming real with God and trusted other people. That's the pattern. You see, it's not a road prayer, is it? Not at all. In fact, if we pray this prayer, we will be living in community. If we pray this prayer with integrity, somebody said this morning that part of what they were, they were drawn to sojourn these days, the community life. I commend you, continue to grow. I know some of us, you're, you're, you're busy, you're traveling, there's all kinds of things going on. Well, we can connect online if you can't do it face-to-face, right? Do what we can, though, but that community is key. In fact, by the way, just this is a free advertisement. We could use two or three more pairs of small group leaders and maybe some that were lead, willing to lead a, a pure online group for those that are far apart geographically. Uh, we, need, we need a little more community, but um, it's, it's happening and it's growing. So the first lesson on prayer is a pattern. Second lesson, more briefly, uh, is I call it shameless impertinence. Read verses five through nine. I love this. He says to them, now see the next two parables are intended to teach them no more about prayer. He says to them, who of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, let me three loaves since my friends arrived from far off and uh, I don't have anything to place before him. And that one replying from the inside says, you know, don't trouble me. <laughs> the door has already been shut. My kids are with me in bed. I can't give, give anything to you, right? Let me give you a little context before we read verse 8. So this is not Minnesota in the winter, right? This is Palestine. So, you know, you can kind of walk up and, you know, you know, some straw or a little bit of clay or whatever, you know. Hey, Yoyahoyakim, you know. <laughs> what? <laughs> a guy was, he got up at 6 that morning with the sun. He's been working outside all day long. And they only have one little pallet. He finally gets all the kids settled down, him and his wife. Maybe they're hoping for romance later. And, you know, here's your quick, conk, 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 you know, get me some bread, you know. Shh, you know, don't bug me, right? Just, you know, finally got the kids settled down. Just get done in the morning, right? Go away, right? That's the, that's the situation Jesus is setting up here. It's pretty humorous, right? And, uh, you know, so, you know, five kids, you want to wake them? Oh, where's, yeah. Five, you want to wake some up, right? You know, right? Oh, man, I remember those days. Oh, my gosh, no, just there's a sleep. Hallelujah, right? And, uh, you know, but it says in verse 8, I say to you, even if you will not arise and give to him, because he won't do it because he's a friend. Indeed, because of his, I translate it, shameless impertinence. This is uh, Anideon. His shameless impertinence. He just refuses to be denied. Verse 9 kind of goes, verse 9 overlaps the next two points, so this, we'll read it here. And I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. That's the shameless impertinence, right? So, simple lesson. God rewards shameless impertinence. What would you pray if you knew God would do it? 
Second lesson on prayer is shameless impertinence. One last lesson on prayer is God's generosity. So very quickly, in case they would misunderstand the parable, he goes on to say, verse 9 through 13, And I say to you, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, it will be opened. So then another little illustration. Which of you fathers... The son will ask for a fish, and instead of a fish, we'll give him a snake. No. Or if we ask for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, although you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So a couple surprises in this passage. All right, let's see if we can pick on Evan. Uh, we got Colton here. Who else do we have? Okay, some of my Greek students... Uh, you might not have your Greek New Testament. Do anybody have it with you? Okay, all right. So look that thing up. Okay, so ask, seek, and knock, right? Iteo, right? Etc. Okay, the tense is what? It's present tense. I'll help you there, okay? It's present tense, and it's what we call an imperative, a command. So now here's the quiz. So where's Colton and... Uh, Evan here, Versteeg, okay? A present imperative, how are you supposed to translate that? Ooh, they're on the spot now, sweating bullets. Huh? Huh? It's a command, and, and it's a command in the present tense. So a present tense command, what's the idea? Okay, I'll let you repeat second your Greek this next semester if you want. You were about to say it. Do it now, but present keep doing it keep there you go all right well you know a little review that's good okay so all right so if you get in the aorist tense it's just like do it right but in the present tense greek's very specific it's this is something don't just do it once seek and keep on seeking ask and keep on asking knock and keep on knocking this is a lifestyle right this is kind of embedded in the shameless impertinence idea again the 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 present imperative keep asking storm heaven and when we do we will receive why verses 11 and 12 because god's a good father and then if you were to look at the parallel passage which is matthew 7 verses 7 through 11 in the sermon on the mount there Jesus says, if you, though you are evil, know how to give good, good gifts to your children, how much more your Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? So if you know that passage and you're walking along and you read Luke, what? what's he done? Either Jesus taught it many times, I'm sure, or maybe Luke in his theological emphasis on the Holy Spirit, which is a real thing. We're set up to expect good gifts, but Luke lists the best gift, the Holy Spirit in your life. How much more? If you're, the, you know, if you're evil and you know how to give good gifts to your kids, and you know, of course, right? Christmas is coming. How much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I think that not enough Christians ask the Lord enough for the Holy Spirit. He's suggesting keep asking for the Holy Spirit. I want to say a couple things about this uh, just to bring a clarity where some are getting a little fuzzy in these days, some popular folks. 
The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, one God in three persons. So the Holy Spirit is not a force. It's not, you know, we need, Lord, we need more spirit, like some kind of impersonal force. We need the person of the Holy Spirit. And the person of the Holy Spirit is simply God encountering humanity. Apart from Jesus living physically on earth, the Holy Spirit is how God relates to humanity. Even in the Old Testament, you can look at that. The Holy Spirit's a person, and, and, and Jesus, Luke, are saying the best gift is a continuous daily outpouring of the Holy Spirit on your life. Pray this daily. You know, earlier I was talking about in worship, part of what I'm talking about is my, this is my personal prayer life now. You, you can do what you want, but this is my suggestion. I don't live by feelings at all, actually, at this stage, but I do take time early in prayer, hallowed be thy name, and part of what I'm going to say, Lord, I'm, God's there all the time, right? He's, he's present. That's not a problem. I can be oblivious. So I'm saying, Lord, hallowed be thy name. And Lord, would you pour out your spirit in me, tune me in, make me aware of you. You're aware of me. This is not the problem. You're already present. I know that. I know my theology, right? But I need to know your presence. Hallowed be thy name. And as I am praying, and I, I'm kind of restless. I'm a, you know, I can't sit still. So I never could, right? I was that antsy kid. If you're an elementary school teacher, I was that kid, right? You know, anyway, so, so you know, I, I kind of move around. I'm praying. And I'm seeking the Lord. And I'm saying, Lord, would you just refresh me this morning in that awareness of who you really are? Right? Hallowed be thy name. I'm tuning myself in. Hallowed be thy name. But I'm asking the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. Not living by feelings, but I'm telling you, as you do that, you do sense spiritually. Even if you don't get goosebumps, you sense spiritually the presence of your heavenly Father. That's something I covet for you. That awareness of him. Pray until you sense that connection to God and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, this helps answer the question, what about unanswered prayer? As you're receiving the outpouring of the Spirit and you're praying about things that you care about, you may sense one of two things. I've had this happen. You're praying for something and praying for something and you're, you're, just, you're getting close to the Lord and you're, you're pressing in and you've confessed your sins. You're not dealing with any of that junk anymore. You're just like, Lord, it's me and you. And you're realizing, you know what? I'm praying for the wrong thing. Not like way wrong, but like, you know, kind of over here, the, right? And so sometimes there will be in unanswered prayer, God's adjusting and building a kingdom focus to your prayers. And so you do have to change what you're praying. At other times, God's showing us press in, keep praying as we move more and more into his will. So I prayed for my dad regularly to be saved from when I got saved at 18. I don't remember when it was. And he, anyway, uh, you know, I mean, like it was 40, 50 years before my dad got saved, 60 years, actually, right? But you're pressing as you, no, no, this is right. This is right. And, and the Spirit's bearing witness to your spirit. You're crying out. Because God wants to answer. And here it is. God, we're praying, may your kingdom come. God rules in part, he's always sovereign, but in part, God rules through the prayers of the church. And so if the church will not just, you know, whatever we selfishly want, but if we will get the mind of Christ, saturate ourselves in the scriptures, get a sense of what his kingdom is about, and then we pray that, God will answer. 
We started out talking about revival and awakening. If we will, as he says, if my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then from heaven will I hear and heal, their, forgive their sin and heal their land. That's a promise. It's a call to the body of Christ to pray in every generation for awakening and revival, however it looks. So pray for the lost. Pray for the spiritual healing and holiness of the church. Pray for us to glorify God's name because God is a generous father. He wants to pour out abundantly. Amen? Amen. The third lesson in prayer is God's generosity. So God gives us three lessons on prayer. What is God speaking to you today? I'll mention all three of them again, but may the Holy Spirit stir your soul right now. First of all, Jesus gave us a pattern of prayer, worship, praying the kingdom, praying for your needs, forgiveness, and temptation. Secondly, Jesus challenges us to shameless impertinence, just to ask boldly. And then he assures us of God's generosity. So in this passage, God is asking the church, what do you really want? What do you really yearn for? Certainly personal growth, healing and holiness. But what about campus and citywide awakening? What about repentance and faith burning through these twin cities? Let's close by listening to one answered prayer. BC is going to share with us and then I'm going to close this. Church, I'm so excited. You know, last week, those of you who were here last week, I shared about my son, how he went away from the faith after being a missionary. And 2014, it actually reminded me of the year, that's six years ago, that that was when he started going away from the faith. And, you know, as I, I explained to you that, you know, God was telling me to share that testimony instead of what I wanted to share before. And after the sermon, you know, and you were led by the Spirit of God to say, whoever wants to rededicate their lives to Christ or give their life to Christ or something, I kind of opened my eyes to sneak a look at him because I just felt, you know, that there was no way he wasn't touched. But um, he didn't raise up his hand. And then on Monday morning, around 10 o'clock, I remember, he came upstairs and he said, you know, I want to discuss something with you, but I don't want you to freak out. I said, okay, I, would. I didn't understand what it was. So he said, you know what, I've been going through so much and I've come to the end of myself to realize that I really do need Christ. And yesterday at church, I wanted to lift, you know, raise up my hand, but I freaked out. And he said, can you lead me in a prayer, <laughs> you know, to rededicate my life? And honestly, it was like... I prayed and I said, you know what? You've been a Christian. You've been a missionary. You've done this to other people. I think you need to, you know, say the prayer. And he said the prayer to rededicate his life to Christ. And, you know, six long years. I, you know, those of you who have kids, it's really sad when you see someone that, you know, has been in the Lord and, you know, they move away and they're your kid and you just want to, If I could have told God, like Moses, you know what, let me just take over for him, I would have done it. But, you know, 
it took God. It took God. And, you know, and the last point really touched my heart when you were saying that, you know, we need to keep pressing in. And, you know, so many people over the years, this church, friends, families that have been stood by us to just keep pressing in, not to give up. And finally, he came back home. He came back home. To God be the glory. We've got similar stories in our family, even with the younger family, and it's the joy of uh, (laughs) my daughter Ava. At one point, she said, we're having a kid's Bible study. You can't come. And every Saturday, right, to watching them get in the word, pray for one another, powerful. So who are you longing to see make a similar decision? Let's stand together and let's seek the Lord. Call out to him, the people on your heart. I mentioned one other person. Um, Friday night, uh, my daughter Avon Colton and I think Matt Wolf were uh, out uh, out sharing Christ and uh, met a man who was thought we might come to church this morning. But uh, Maurice, we're just going to pray for him as well. So you just join me, and I'm going to pray for Maurice. But whoever's in your heart, you say you really want them to come near to the Lord. Be restored to him or find him in a first, for the first time. Just pray right now where you are. Lord, we come to you. We lift up those that don't know you, Lord God, or are struggling on the edges, maybe been wounded or hurt. Uh, we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Maurice and others, Lord, that you would draw them near to you, that you'd take away there might be fear or anger. Anger, as Ty mentioned, that you, the things have not gone in life the way they anticipated you would. Uh, do in their life. They've seen pain. They've seen death. They've seen hard things. Father, we pray for the grace and perspective, your mercy and your work in a fallen world that is not always what we'd expect. Others are simply, they really just don't know much and they need some truth. They need some love. We pray in Jesus' name that you would bless our hands and our, our lips as we speak and as we love, Lord God. We pray in right here, in this group right here, uh, online and, and present, there may be some of the painful things like Ty mentioned earlier or that BC's son went through. We ask in Jesus' name, where, those of us right here, where there's been the body of Christ has maybe mistreated us or there's things we've not understood. Or we pray for the healing of your Holy Spirit, both through the direct touch of God, and we pray for your word that brings truth and grace. And it brings perspective so we can understand your kingdom and how you're working in the world. And we can have right understandings of what it's going to be like this side of heaven and how to cooperate with you. But Father, most of all, I pray for a boldness in your Holy Spirit. That we would be like the man knocking on the door of his friend for bread. That we would boldly ask you for the things you put in our heart, the things that you have burdened us with, Lord God. We ask that you would work in that way. Father, those that are part of our community that are at home right now, we pray that you would be stirring in their souls the truth you want them to have. They may not feel quite the same being at home, but we pray in Jesus' name your spirit would be ministering and they'd have hope and strength and encouragement Maybe you'd put people on their heart to email or send a text or a phone call. 
Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you would be renewing and strengthening the whole body of Christ in the Twin Cities in this time. That as we're seeking to be a blessing to those around us, you would just pour out your spirit, that we'd live by your spirit. Father, we don't have what it takes, but you do. And so we just open ourselves before you. Hallelujah, Father. Refresh, pour out and strengthen, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.